You're listening to Pixels in Flesh, an Anderson Dexter novel, written and read by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information, visit darusha.ca. Chapter 13 Zeke Torres always reminded Dex a bit of someone deep in the throes of a focus-based stim cocktail. He was pretty sure it was actually Torres's natural state, rather than chemically induced, but the man didn't do anything in half measures. Until he'd shifted apartments to move in with Annabelle, Dex had lived next door to Zeke, but they'd kept different hours, so tended to see each other only at the irregular jam sessions in the courtyard. When he'd changed his hours to match the rest of Europa, it hadn't seemed to make an impact on his social schedule. It had been some time since Dex had met up with Zeke, Nomi Peterson, and the other musicians who lived in the complex for an hour or two of a pickup concert, and he was rusty. He found himself a beat behind when they switched to a new song. He stuck to keeping a straight melody line rather than noodling around with harmonies, and his fretting fingers ached. He didn't mind. He'd missed this. Dex's lack of practice didn't appear to phase Torres, whose eyes remained serenely closed while his hands danced over his theremin in complex patterns. A tiny woman Dex didn't recognize had joined them with a small box, with which she created both electronic beats and the sounds of analog percussion, and Nomi sat between them filling in the gaps with her flute. It was an odd instrumental mix, but they must have sounded all right, since the small group of listeners had grown substantially since they began. Dex knew that Annabelle had been there when they began to play, but he wouldn't have begrudged her leaving when the space on the courtyard turf became crowded. He didn't have the confidence to look out to see while he was playing, and it wouldn't have mattered either way. If she wasn't here in person, she'd be listening on a feed. If it hadn't been for her gift of the cheap mandolin several years ago, he wouldn't be here playing at all. He knew that she knew how much this meant to him. By the time Zeke Torres opened his eyes, sighed, and switched off his theremin, Dex didn't think he could straighten out the fingers of his left hand. Damn, I'm out of practice, he said to Nomi, who smiled. It's quick to go, she said, but quick to come back, too. Dex should have been embarrassed that she'd noticed his playing errors, but somehow it didn't seem to matter. In the hour they'd been playing, it was as if time had not stopped exactly, but stretched into an elastic wave on which Dex had been lightly buoyed. It was simultaneously refreshing and exhausting. Dex packed away the mandolin in its case and was startled to hear a familiar voice say, Have fun? He looked up into Annabelle's face, the dark eyes she'd gone back to wearing recently appearing to nearly shine down on him. A smile spread across his face. You've stayed to the bitter end. She nodded. You aren't the only one who missed this, you know. He was taken aback. No, I didn't know. I guess I thought you only came along to these things for, you know, moral support or something. Annabelle laughed and rolled her eyes. I don't like being a music groupie, Dex. I like hearing you play. I like seeing you play. And sure, I like seeing you be happy, too. But it's all those things. He stood and slipped an arm around her, carefully checking for any stiffness or other indication that he should back off. But none came. You have strange taste, he said. I like that. That makes two of us. Annabelle went back to the apartment to let Dex socialize, but he found that the exhaustion had begun to overtake the exhilaration and begged off after half an hour. He pinged Annabelle to let her know that he was on his way up, and noticed that there was a case request for him from Mac Larson. He'd have to look at that later. 
He wasn't up for anything more than a good night's sleep. You're picking up my bad habits, Annabelle said when Dex flopped onto the bed. You're the one who's supposed to love hanging out with the meat sacks. It could have sounded spiteful, but there were equal measures of affection and concern in her tone. Oh, I still love my meat sacks, Dex said laughing, but I am beat. My hands feel like they've been pounded with mallets, and my brain is like one of those green gobs that washes up on the beach sometimes. Ew. Exactly. He leaned over to kiss Annabelle, and it went on longer than he expected. Eventually, she broke away, and Dex said, The flesh is weak, I'm afraid. I know, she answered. That's why I prefer pixels. Well, right now my pixels are weak, too, Dex said. I'm about ready to pass out here. Annabelle slipped out of bed and dimmed the lights. As she closed the door, she said, Night, honey. But Dex was already asleep. After a deep and dreamless sleep, Dex woke early the next morning. He let Annabelle sleep and padded into the closet office to get a jump on the day. He was curious about Larson's message. It was a desperate-sounding request from the proprietor of a holiday sim agency, one Izzy Marcula. Apparently, several days previously, her M-City landlord had contacted her about a supposed breach of service. The landlord, Blockchain, was one of the smaller data block companies, and they claimed that some code within one of Marcula's sims was exceeding the tolerances of her contract and had unceremoniously cut off access to her instantiation. In her report to Larson, she said that the offending sim was one which no one had ordered in months, but she had her technician check the code just in case and found nothing untoward. That was only one part of the problem, though. The real concern was that she had contacted Blockchain dozens of times to try and resolve the issue and get access to her storefront and res space, but she'd been met with silence. She had admin access to her data, but potential customers were met with a blank wall and a 404 when they tried to access her agency. Obviously, there wouldn't be anything for Dex to see if he went to her M-City location, so he invited her to meet him in his office. On the face of it, this was just another customer service nightmare. But given the continued attacks on M-City establishments, Dex wondered if perhaps something malicious had gotten into her SIM code. This kind of situation had been common in the past, and while the crypto package that the organization had distributed had ended the proliferation of these kinds of attacks, Perhaps the culprits had found a new way around their defenses. The thought disturbed Dex, but he couldn't discount its likelihood. He knew that incursion and detection were in a mutually escalating and evolving battle of technology. With every new attack, a new defense had to be developed, which then spawned attackers attempting to circumvent those new roadblocks. The best they could hope for was that the attackers would get bored with the attempt. Dex had hoped that this was what had happened, but now he was unconvinced, which was terrible news. The simulated glass in Dex's office door rattled as someone on the other side knocked. Come in. The door opened and an expensive-looking avatar glided into Dex's office. The body was tall and thin, a spray of dark hair adding even more height, the face's complexion a bright blue. Unlike many unnaturally colored avatar skins, this wasn't a uniform overlay of color, but rather matched the subtle differences in hue that humans normally had on their bodies. Only, it was blue. A very well-done piece, if a bit flashy for Dex's taste. I'm Izzy Marcula. She held out a blue hand with eerily long fingers for Dex to shake. He did, then gestured to the wooden chair opposite his desk. Marcula sat, and Dex grabbed the file he'd downloaded from the squad's board. 
I've got the information you provided to my colleagues here, Dex said. But can you go over it again for me? When did you discover that your access had been cut off? It's been six days now, Markula said, her voice tight. Dex could empathize. Being locked out of both your place of business and your means of production was enough to drive anyone to a rage. I've begun negotiations with a new host. I just can't wait around for blockchain to get back to me, if they're ever going to. When was the last time you heard from one of their representatives? She took a deep breath. Arguably, never. Dex frowned and she explained. The initial notification read like an automated message. You know, our monitoring software detected a fault in one of your applications and your account has been suspended pending an investigation. If an actual human being had any involvement, I'd be surprised. And then? And then silence. I've responded multiple times, including sending the results of my own analysis trying to get an answer. Even just to get someone to give me details of this supposed fault. I mean, if there is something wrong, I'm happy to fix it. But I'm becoming more and more convinced that there is no fault. That they're just using it as an excuse to dump me from my contract. Dex scanned the papers on his desk. I see here that you have nearly 18 months left on your contract. It was prepaid, is that correct? Yes. Markula's avatar remained placid, but the voice that came from it was anything but calm. But at this point, I don't see how I'm going to get anything out of them. Not a reinstatement of my account, not my money back. I've yet to receive anything but automated acknowledgments of my support requests with vague reassurances that my ticket is in the queue. Dex frowned. You have backups? Markula nodded. And I do have admin access to my files on the data block. It's just public access which has been locked. I see. Dex closed the file folder and took a breath. Well, I have to be honest here. I'm not at all certain that there is anything I'll be able to do for you in this situation. Most res space hosting agreements have a clause indemnifying the leaseholder from faults arising from the lessee's scripts, and if they don't actually want to keep your account, I don't see how we can compel them to respond. That's what I thought, Mercula said, but I figured I ought to try. Dex nodded. I still want to look into this. We might not get a favorable outcome for you, but this is very strange behavior. There might be something else going on, something that we can stop from happening to someone else. And who knows, if this turns out to be a third-party attack against blockchain, we might be able to get some redress. I just wouldn't count on it. Thank you. Markula stood, her hair brushing the office's ceiling. I'm going to focus on finding a replacement host. I can't afford to be closed for business much longer. I understand. Dex shook her hand and said, I'll let you know if we find anything. She nodded and left the office. Dex slumped down into his chair. He hated giving people bad news, but he didn't see any likely resolution to this case that ended up with Markula getting her space or her payment back. If they were playing dirty pool, Blockchain had been clever about it. Accusing Markula's code of having a critical fault absolved them from locking her out. Refusing to respond to her could be explained away as being overloaded with inquiries. If they stalled long enough, most anyone in this situation would eventually just get another res space. There was only so much time and energy a person could put into fighting for an 18-month refund. But if this was the scheme, what was the end game? Dumping Markula as a customer? Why? Surely they had to know that she would go public with her story, which would give future potential customers pause. That gave Dex an idea, and he ran a quick search for public posts about blockchain. Maybe this wasn't an isolated incident. You've been listening to Pixels in Flesh by M. Darusha Wayne. 
For more information about this and the other Anderson Dexter books, visit darusha.ca. Thanks for listening.